everyone. Welcome to the Tim Shell podcast, where we cover the sacred creative process of engaging scripture with modern eyes. I am your host, Bonnie Lewis, and uh, Jeremy Armstrong, who's the editor of the book, um, he will be joining us as well. But this is our first episode. And so I wanted to give you a little rundown on how things will go. So we are going to alternate episodes, um, titling them In the Text, where Jeremy and I are going to talk about the writing process, the exegetical process, interpretation, translation um, of some, or actually all of the 20 books we've written for Tim Shell. And then in between those episodes, we are going to have a few called Between the Lines. And we are going to be interviewing a bunch of awesome, creative exciting people um, that are going to talk about something that are sort of in between the lines of the scripture itself. So you always have the scripture or the thing, and then you have everything around it. Today's episode is our very first one, and I'm thrilled that you're here for it. Today we're doing an in the text episode, but we're doing a brief overview about what Tim Shell is. How did we get here? What methods did we use? Why is it different than other translations? What can you expect from it? All of these questions will be answered for you in today's episode. And if you haven't already pre-ordered your Tim Shell translation, you can do so now. They are available at www.timshelltranslation.com. And for a limited time, when you order, you will get a free digital copy of the book sent to you immediately. And then you can follow along with us as we're talking. I hope you enjoy this episode. So my name is Bonnie Lewis. I am the author of Tim Shell Translation, but I am also... um, Let's say I'm a wife. I have two almost we've been married almost 12 years. I have two kids, a nine-year-old and a three-year-old. I live in Austin, Texas. We have a dog that I don't love yet, but that I hope to love soon. Um, <clears throat> let's see, I have my master's in theology from Fuller Seminary. And I've done probably for the past decade a lot of different jobs and um ministry. Um pastoral ministry, preaching, teaching, spiritual direction. I'm also a spiritual director for Radical Wellness. So um, I've been doing a lot of things in that different realm, and we'll kind of get to that in a minute. But you and I met when we worked together um, at a magazine a few years back. So um, <laughs> we've stayed stayed in contact, stayed friends. Yes, we have. We have. <laughs> so is that the intro for me? Is it my, is it my yeah, turn, it's now turn now to introduce? Okay. I'm not at introing you. <laughs> Thank you. No, uh, we we met when I, I was the editor of Christian Music Magazine, um, and you were uh, multiple things there, right? You came on kind of in as, as an assistant to the the, the director. Yeah, were, I think by the time I left, you I were the a, associate editor. Yes, right, like I worked point. right under you by the time we right. left. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. And so, um, mm-hmm. yep, we stayed in contact and we worked really well together at the time. So when this came up, um, this was a, this was a fun thing for us to be able to, to connect on again. Um, I know. So, uh, for, for who I am, my, my name's Jeremy, Jeremy Armstrong. Um, I, I, uh, was an editor for a magazine for a long time and, and, um, that was, I was, had been, 
in ministry kind of my whole life in certain ways, mm. um, one way or another. That that it was indirect, but kind of also influenced a lot of um, people who were um, in leadership in the church. Yeah. Um, so, but since that time, I am have am not in any type of like direct or like professional <laughs> yeah. ministry, yeah. Um, which has been like a real shift for me in my life. But, mm. but all, all to say, um, I am first a, uh, a husband and a father to a two and a half year old son. Uh, uh, my, my wife's name is Lauren and um, they're kind of what they're what keeps me going basically mm. and stuff. So I'm also um, I'm a writer. I'm an author. My 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 book is um, Impolite Questions for a Generous God. Um, and, you know, you can check that out if you want to. It's a great book uh, on Amazon, right? It is on Amazon. I've read yeah. it. It's a it's an awesome book. It's really good. <laughs> Anyway, um, that, that's, those are all my credentials. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah. So Jeremy and I, like, I just thought it would be great for this first episode to talk about why we wrote it, what, how we did it, um, and what even is. So we have so many people, let's just start there on the story of it all. Right. So we have so many people that come <clears throat> to the website, come to the Instagram page and say, what is this? Can you explain it? So, um, yeah. Jeremy is gracious in saying that he was like, this is a fun project. What he's not telling you is that I bugged him <laughs> for months. Like, please, Jeremy. He's like, I'm too busy because you are your own boss, right? You're an entrepreneur. Yes. So he is busy. And I was like, no, you're not too busy for this. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I just kept bugging him. But basically what happened with Tim Shell. So let's see, like Jeremy grew up doing ministry of some sort. Um, I was a big Young Life kid, still a huge fan of Young Life. Love Young Life. Um, That's so funny. Did we? Not, did I know that? I worked with. I worked for Young Life for for multiple years. Did, I, I think th I knew that you were young. You went to camp with Young Life. Yes, like did that. a lot of. You have a funny story about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was in wilderness, and we'll get to that. Maybe we'll get to that <laughs> funny story another time. But yes, I think we knew that we. Yeah. Okay. Were Young Life people. And my my experience with Young Life, I I ran. Um, a group for kids with disabilities. I did that for that's multiple right. years. Did that's that for right. many years afterwards as well. So Yeah, that's right. So both of us and grew up in the church. And um when I went to seminary, and part of it's my personality. Part of it's my um <clears throat> my bent towards feeling like I want to follow rules, my bent towards being an anxious individual. Um <laughs> but when I went to seminary, <clears throat> I it stirred up more questions than answers in a good way. But what wasn't good was because I have a bent towards following the rules and anxiety, I felt this need to find everything out. I felt this need to be like, I need to put a pin in this. I need to know what I think about these doctrines or these theological issues. And um, seminary doesn't make way for that, I think, in a really good way. It's designed to give you tools to research. It's designed to give you tools for ministry. Um, but it's not designed for what I wanted it to be. So as I dug in deeper after I graduated and kept trying to figure out like what I believed, um, we also went through simultaneously a really hard season in our life. We had just moved. We moved to Colorado. My mom had been diagnosed with breast cancer. We moved to Colorado when um, my son was three and we wanted to be by her, but also we had this weird stint where we got really, really sick. So we were sick all the time in California and we didn't know why and doctors didn't know why. And so we, we ended up moving because we just thought maybe we need to be by family as we figure out what's wrong. 
Um, when we got to Colorado, though, we stopped being sick. And it turns out our house had black mold. It was like growing up through the floor. So we had black mold poisoning. <laughs> I know it was, it was awful. And um, so when we got to Colorado, we weren't sick. And so we started seeing a specialist. Our body started detoxing. And then life was looking up like it was it felt like a new start for us. Um, and at that time, I really believed in that theology that you that a lot of people do believe in, which is if I do X, Y and Z and then life is good, then God is happy with me. And if something goes awry, it's because I've done something wrong. So it was a challenging time. I was trying to figure out what I believed about women in ministry. I was trying to figure out what I believed about, like I said, a bunch of these, quote, doctrines that we all sort of grow up with. And we're struggling with my mom being diagnosed with cancer. We're struggling with getting detox or mold. But then we also got pregnant. And that was a bright spot. It felt like a new beginning, a new start that we were going to sort of rebuild in Colorado. And um, right, literally about a week before I found out I was pregnant, um, I injured my back and I didn't know why I hadn't been doing anything. And it turns out that the mold like caused this inflammation problem. And um, two discs in my lower back went out. So I was like paralyzed waist down on my left side, my whole time I was pregnant. And then after uh, because they didn't know what it was. And when you're pregnant and your back hurts, they're like, take a Tylenol and you'll be fine. Like, they, there's nothing you much you can do about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so we were just kind of literally and figuratively kind of hobbling through this first season. And then when I was 20 weeks pregnant, um, I checked myself into the ER because I had some odd <laughs> symptoms. And then um, we gave birth 36 hours later to a stillborn baby. He had passed in the womb and the umbilical cord had tied a knot very tight and then it had wrapped around his neck twice. So <clears throat> it was awful because it was this season that we felt like we were trying to do everything right. We felt like we were trying to um, do everything we were taught to do, um, start new, you know, all, all those cliches you hear, like put faith over fear, like yeah. all, all this <clears throat> stuff. And we kept yeah. trying and we, felt like we just kept getting hit again and yeah. again and again. And so at that moment, um, everything that I had been clutching onto about what I believed in really just sort of fell through the cracks because I suddenly was faced with this question, which was either I've been doing everything wrong and things aren't as it seems. Yeah. Um, or God isn't who he says he is, or maybe it's a mixture of both. Like maybe I don't know who he says he is, you know? So it was a, the greatest gift to be able to just finally put some of that down because I just didn't have another choice. It took everything I had to get up and show up for myself, show up for my husband, show up for my son. And that took us on this, this journey of the next, I mean, that was six years ago. So the next three to four or five years of therapy, of physical therapy, of grief counseling, of trying to decide what was next and, <clears throat> and trying to figure out what we thought. So it was this beautiful unraveling. It was this deconstruction, um, if you will, inside of me that made me look at the scripture and look at God in a way that I just hadn't before. So um, out of that birthed this idea for Tim Shell. And um, something I found when I was deconstructing and talked to other people who were deconstructing was we have a, we kind of are able to dismantle these things 
that are taught to us, um, these doctrines, these theologies, these tightly packaged thought ideas, it's almost easy to dismantle those and to unravel those. But when it comes to the Bible, I felt a lot of like, well, what do I do with this? Right? Like, how am I supposed to view this? Can I still interact with it? Can I not? And then no matter how hard I tried, a lot of times there were stories that I'd always heard and they were still playing out in my head the same way I was taught in Sunday school, even if I knew different. So I really wanted, I did this, I had this idea to create a translation that would incorporate things that I had learned um, in terms of Greek, uh, the Greek, the Hebrew, the cultural context, the historical context, but to put it all within the text so that anybody could read it. Um, one thing I've learned quickly is that when people say, how did you know that? And I'm like, I point them to these commentaries. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> reads the commentaries because they're boring, um, which is fine. Um, but to put it all, so it was very readable. And then um, to treat the Bible as this book of wisdom, this ancient book of wisdom that is also our guide, right? Like we really hold it at it. A lot of times we hold it at this arm's distance of like, this is yeah. what the Bible says. It feels so far right. removed. But to be like, this is, I think Pete N says this really well when he talks about how like um, God always chooses, has always chose his children to write his story. Right. And that we are viewing a historical book, but the beauty of it is that we are seeing people in their journey of faith. Right. And um, I thought, wow, like that changes it for me. It makes me feel seen and known in a way I haven't. And so I wanted to create a translation that incorporated all of that by using what we know of the historical setting, the language, and then also what we know about modern psychology. So asking the questions, what does it feel like to be somebody who is a sex slave? What would it feel like if your father really was about to kill you on an altar, right? Like these are questions that I think we all ask, but we've been trained to push them aside. So I wanted to create something, something like that. So when I approached you and I'm like, Jeremy, I have this idea. <laughs> um, and then I think I said to you, I'm like, listen, I'll leave. I'm going to send you the, I'm going to send you the first story. If you hate it, I will never, I'll never right. bother you again. Right. Um, but talk, talk about your own sort of journey well, moment that like kind of when you read it, it hit something in you. If yeah, uh, for sure. And I think you, we don't have to go any further than that in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. it was the writing first and foremost that, that caused me to stop. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was an editor for, so, for so many years and, you know, as an editor, you're a, you're a professional aggregator of things and you have to, part of your job is to keep an open heart because all these mm-hmm. people want to, they're sending you things. Yeah. Um, they, they send you things every day, all day long. You're getting sent things and it's people who are hopeful that you can help them <laughs> move yeah. to the next level yeah. or give them shine a light on them and things like that. And so it's easy to get cynical in that and, and everything that comes in, you know, I'll ta- I would have talked to editors that said, you know, if the first line doesn't catch me, then they're, I'm, they're done. If there's a spelling error in the subject uh, of the email, they're done, you know, because you get so many submissions, so many, you know, so yeah. many things coming to you. Um, what I always tried to do was prayerfully <laughs> um, listen to people or, or read submissions or listen to music that was coming my way. Mm. Um, and, and because it's, it's, 
if you don't do that, there's, there's, and I, this, this will come back to what, what, what we're talking about. Um, I think if you don't do that in that world, if you don't, um, there are giftings and there are gifts that need to be shared. Mm. And part of the editor's job is to be that person who who connects, um, the two worlds, the people who are, who, who trust me in a certain way to mm-hmm. show them what has been, been shown to me through the lots of things, the lots of different submissions I had. So that was one of my jobs. Mm-hmm. And so I was a person who was always keeping my heart open for the possibility of brilliance, <laughs> yeah. the possibility of beauty in the world, mm-hmm. the possibility of something that could, um, affect, um, more than just me. Yeah. And typically as an editor, you know that that's, that's possible when it affects you. Mm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And it's hard to be affected if you're, if you have a hardened heart to everything that comes your way. So uh-huh. that, that's, that, that's just one, one side of things. That's a good point. Um, so to, 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 to get to what you were saying, <clears throat> I, I've always had people send me stuff. Um, and with friends, it's almost harder. <laughs> begin yeah. and or even coworkers <laughs> or things like yeah. that because you you want to have an open heart but there's all these different emotions that are connected to it totally um but i think um i fortunately had years of practice when i was reading that the um your your first chapter and um in all honesty it affected me mm. um and and at, at that point that's like what i would have done as an editor okay stop we're going to work with this you know mm. kind of a thing yeah. that's i'm going to make i'm going to find a way I'm going to, I don't, and for me, it was always like, it could be just two paragraphs in, it could be not very long. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, something's right. happening here. There's and a for shift. me, there was yeah. a shift and there was a, you know, there's a spirit involved in this whole process for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so that was the, that was definitely the, the real beginning of, of, of why I, I wanted to be a part of this was yeah. reading that first chapter, being moved by it personally mm. and, and as, with an editor's background saying, okay we're going to work with this yeah. because also my role as an editor is to help in, enhance yes. things that come to you. You know, you, you enhance it and then help present it to the rest of the world basically out there. So, yeah. so I'm, I was, that wasn't my first thought actually. I was like, this is, I, I don't think you were even asking me to edit it at that time. It was just kind of like, Hey, read this. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause it's when you create something and, and you, um, you all know exactly what I'm talking about. You've written a book, but also even in this is like when we're trading back and forth, like yeah. versions of the story is you're creating something and you have this, it's moved you first. It's yeah. changed you first. And so then to give it over to somebody to look at, it's the terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying <laughs> for it's, sure. Even like and, in the last story with us, I'm like, here you go. Be so gentle with it. Like, <laughs> even though we've established this relationship because it's, um, something deeply yeah. personal in you, you know, and and hopefully what people can see, and this isn't uh, just a, this is this can be partially a writing podcast or a creativity podcast as well, but that's part of the thing. As uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was a professional writer. I'm also a writer, but what, but but writing doesn't isn't done in a vacuum, or you know, yes. creation isn't done in a vacuum, and you have to be willing to invite people into that process. You have to. And when you and when they do, you also have to there has to be somebody that, that you trust in that mm-hmm. process as well. And you know, you would hand something over to me and I would say and I would be like, I'm not being cruel here. I, I want this to be the best that we 
together can make it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge you on a couple, you know, and you would say, no, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. And I'd say, okay, well, let's let loose, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Not, not, you know, and some cr- editors are a little bit cruel. I feel like, like they, 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 they like it, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, I've always erred on the side of kindness in some ways and sometimes to my, to a fault, but I, but what we do in the creative process is you, is you hand something over and then, um, it gets enhanced by other people joining in. That was yeah. the problem with, um, I think, uh, George, um, you know, George Lucas with the, the, the original Star Wars. And um, he, he was, I'm George Lucas once he was making the new ones. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. could input on those things. Mm. You know, they, it was always, hey, I created Star Wars, you know, at that point. Um, yeah. And, and so when people, when he got to the, to, 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 you know, however many years later, 20 years later to make these new movies, the, the, imp, the creative input, input stopped and it became just his show. And mm. um, that, that was basically it. Anyway, so my story, I'm going to, Oh, okay. My dog's doing okay. <laughs> I was going to put him away for a little bit. <laughs> well, Dog, calm problem. down for a second. Um, <laughs> as uh, real, just quickly for me on on the other side of that, um, like the 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 idea of Tim Shell had to resonate with me um, as yeah. we moved through this because it was a word that meant so much to you, and it was an idea that meant so much to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about what it even means, right? I get that all the time, and some people. It's a good idea. Um, go. Some people are always like. Have you read, oh, you got that from East of Eden. I still haven't read it, which is embarrassing and I need to. (laughs) Um, But what it means is that it's like first used in the Bible in the book of Genesis. um, And it means thou mayest or you have a choice. And it's this idea that, um, so Cain, Cain kills Abel and he goes to God and he acts like, I don't know, he died or whatever. And God basically is like. Um, it was actually right before he killed Abel, oh, right? Yes. And yeah. and mm-hmm. and I'll speak to the East of Eden part of this as well. So it's like, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> oh, no, but this this idea where he's like, sin is crouching at your door, and you have a choice of what yes. to do. You yes. have a yes. you have a choice. And so, um, on one level, I wanted I wanted that to be true of how we approached these ancient stories. This yes. idea that um, they've always been told to us one way, or we've looked at it one way. Yeah. And really and truly, we, we do have a choice of what we want to do with it. Do we want to yeah. throw it out? Do we want to look right. at it new? Do we want to let it open us up? Do we want to sort of turn the gem and look at it from different angles as the light comes in? Or do we want to keep it the same way we've always done? But I wanted to bring freedom into the text. You know, Jewish um, understandings of that, I think, is so much more robust and healthier in a way. It's like they really rely on outside sources. They rely on Midrash. Right. They Midrash, right. Yeah, they, this idea where they say, this is what we think happened to Sarah. Mm-hmm. So we even include that in some, in some of these texts of like, hey, Midrash, a really accepted Midrash on this is this is what happened. Um, because it creates this robust nature that these are real people with real feelings. Right. And so I wanted that to be a part of it. And then on a personal note, it was that when we cremated our son, we walked, was up in Red Rocks in Colorado, and we walked down this mountain and it was like that weird spot. Like we had been up there, we spread his ashes. We had spent some time in prayer and silence and talking, and it was time to go back to the car. We had nothing left to say to each other, but I also didn't want to remember it being quiet. (laughs) So I turned on my phone to like play a song. And Tim Shell from Mumford and Sons came on <laughs> and it was this, um, if you haven't listened to it, I mean, the lyrics are just <laughs> are beautiful and it talks about a mom being a parent to her child. And so on a personal note, because, because that was the event in our lives that sort of, um, 
created the shift and allowed for this unraveling. I wanted that to be in there. And now on this side of it, yeah. it really feels like um, everything we learned and like the energy around that event and around him um, was able to kind of be put into this book in a way. You know what hmm. I mean? And so it, yeah. that came full circle at the end of it. But yeah. Um, and, and my journey with that, from that, knowing that story, what, mm. and uh, it, I, I had re- I, I, I was, have been a partial Steinbeck um, fan. My, I was a literature major in college. <laughs> was yeah. you know write for a living and stuff like that, and read stuff and things. So, um, but East of Eden had been multiple, multiple years probably since I had read that one. <clears throat> Um, but, uh, the, the, what you said basically is what the book says too. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's the story of, of Cain and Abel. Um, the, the East of Eden's a, is a allegory or, um, a modern, <laughs> it's a, it's a modern version of, of that, of that story, um, between two, you know, two, two sons and mm. their rejection from their father in some ways. Mm. Um, but he, he gets fascinated his Steinbeck's, redemption of the whole thing is this word it all it all hinges on this word tim shell you mm-hmm. know because this he the um the adam the father the father um figure he was like i was reading the bible and one version says that thou um you know that that um that cain was going to be uh, had a chance to have uh, the the evil was going to come to him and he had to overcome it mm-hmm. and then another version the, the niv version says um you you can, you um you you have to overcome it um or you you should overcome it and then right. said, then the last one I actually looked at the word and um in the Hebrew it says you may overcome this mm-hmm. and inherent in that word you may overcome this is you may not mm-hmm. <laughs> overcome yeah, it yeah. you have you have the choice in this situation it's up to yeah. you and he said this is the redemption of of my story this Adam character this is the redemption of all stories there's we think there's a curse on us, mm-hmm. but there may be a curse and there may not, mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's up to the, it's up to the person, you know, yeah. it's up to the, and, and what you mentioned earlier about, uh, the, the Bible as a book of wisdom literature, you know, I, my, my bringing my past into this too, I'm a, I'm a hobbyist biblical, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I love biblical scholars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> part, part of the problem is that I, I, I love to read about the Bible <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes even more than reading the Bible. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. And which is which is a downfall. It's, it can be a downfall. Um, but there's two things about that. Like, um, I I love that idea, and you helped me to to re re understand that um, idea of us bringing ourselves to the Bible, mm-hmm. and with this Tim Shell heart, this Tim Shell attitude. Yeah. You know, this what's possible. What mm-hmm. is it saying? I know that this story, even in the first the first two chapters of Genesis have stark contradictions. They yeah. don't, they don't align with the days that were of creation and things like that, but that doesn't matter to me right now. Right. What am I, what am I bringing to this? What may I bring to this? You mm-hmm. know, and what does it, is it saying to me at this moment? And that's the last kind of reason one that I, <clears throat> that I chose to, to, to jump in with you after you begged me for so many, <laughs> so many weeks now. Um, no, it was, it was, I, um, I wanted to bring meaning mm-hmm. <laughs> to what I do again, you know, yeah. um, in, in some way, like there, like I said, I haven't been doing, um, direct professional ministry. And so when this came, the, the opportunity came about, you know, I was like, I love the Bible. Mm-hmm. I love reading about it. And one of the things that I love to do is, um, like Ignatian prayer, which yeah, is like where you, yeah. where you meditate yeah, with me the Bible, too. Yeah. um, and you meditate on the stories and you bring, 
like the you you put yourself into into the text yeah into the text like you actually pretend you're you you, pre, you pretend you're like somebody walking on the road next to Jesus on the road to Emmaus you know, you're like you're hiding in the bushes or something <laughs> yes yes or, I love it you're like you can I can be, smell it I can I love hear it, it. yeah can, yeah seriously you, you're like you were asleep on the on the boat when the storm's going crazy and so, I mean those types of things yeah and you put yourself in there and you just let and you and you and you and you listen to the sounds you listen to his words you listen to what other people are doing and you feel the emotions yeah and it's super powerful to me it is at least uh, agreed and that was kind of the the last thing that um and hopefully what I hope is brought to other people as well is is what Tim show was for me was I was doing that as we were writing these you mm-hmm. know as we were edit as I was editing them then after we, I'd walk away I'd I'd pray with them in the morning mm-hmm. you know so yeah. if if people if they do anything uh, that's one of the things that I would hope that people do with this is they read these stories and enter into them yeah. they, they don't have to do the whole Ignatian thing if they don't want to you know <laughs> right but but in some level as they read through them there's a little bit more of a of an imagination yeah. brought to it mm. which is why we chose an idiomatic reading yes no exactly <laughs> right can, can you so explain that to people yeah so idiomatic <laughs> you're exactly right it's like saying the thoughts and emotions of the characters at that time. So it right. it really does, there's as much scholarly input to inform us of what's actually happening in the text, and right. then imagination, psychology entering in, this empathy sort of, what would that be like? Right. Um, so that's where we get the idiomatic version. And I love that you said that because we wanted it to go far enough into the characters in order to find our own story. Um, and if not our own, then our neighbors. Right. So like for so, so many times, and this was a tough thing for me, is when you go in, when we're writing this and we're reading it and we're researching it and we're asking, but what about the one characters that have been silent? What about the ones we never hear right. about in this story? The um, untold emotions that are happening in the backs. You know, mm-hmm. I always say that the catcher in the rye the the most important character in the catcher in the rye is the mother who passed away before the story even mm, started. Yeah, you know? yeah, I mean that influences. Same thing in Rushmore. Yeah, <laughs> the movie the West, the Wes Anderson one. You yeah. know the most important um, character to Max Fisher. <laughs> yeah. is the mother who passed away before the story even started. You know, and there's yeah. that in 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 this as well. In in mm-hmm. in these biblical stories that we want to pull out a little bit. And so yeah, ways. like so Abraham and Isaac. And what's hard about it is that when you do that. When you look at the untold, sometimes a conflict within you rises up because what you've always believed, if the main care if the main character is always the hero and it's always one perspective and it's always one thing, when you hear this untold story, it causes you to shift it a bit. It causes you to pivot, uh, to hold things a little looser, to say, wait a second, hmm. I've missed out. So like Abraham and Isaac, I think that one, um, it's brutal enough to hear um, the internal conflict of Abraham that is going on in terms of he's um, child sacrifice was a part of who he is, uh, part of who his religion is, the society he lived in doesn't mean it was okay. It just well, culturally. And, and it was holy to yeah. him mm-hmm. in, in, in a way that it, idiomatically <laughs> yeah. in their time frame, right. you know, it makes no sense to us. But we wanted to, you wanted to bring that out so that people could understand that this isn't just a, 
like a oh weird crazy thing that was happening back then to us it is to, to us him, it is to him, it was normal to them it was very natural it was and in natural. fact it was yeah. a way to follow who what he thought was god yeah you know? exactly yeah it was part it was baked into the whole system it was a it was part of it and so it's brutal enough to sort of read that um that draws up an uncomfortability in people right because like right. we want to believe that right. abraham was a christian i mean basically <laughs> um and it's like not even close to the truth and then to feel what it felt to be isaac right, right. this understanding right. um so you have this juxtaposition of well yeah this is part of our religion but then what right. happens when it's personal what happens when it's me um and then one of the things that talking about the untold story is you don't hear about Sarah um, <clears throat> basically the entire time. Right. And something that I learned while I was reading the Jewish Midrash on it is so that the chapter ends in Genesis 22 and Abraham and Isaac come home intact and that Sarah's not there. And then the next chapter, she, we find that she has left their home and she has moved elsewhere, but when by the time Abraham gets there, she has died. Um, and it just tells us in the Bible that Abraham is sad and that he is grieving her death. Midrash sort of fills in that backstory <clears throat> that her leaving the home would be what we would consider a divorce. <clears throat> this leaving of, it was a sense of betrayal. She felt like Abraham had betrayed her. So she has her own journey going on there of saying almost as, in a sense that lines with Isaac saying, I understand this is holy for us and this is who we are, but I never thought it would actually be us. I never right. thought that we would actually say yes to sacrifice. And so it was this idea that Abraham said yes to something um, and that hurt her so deeply. She, so not only does she leave, which in and of itself is something that we never talk about, Midrash fills in that the reason why she passed away, it wasn't old age, it wasn't sickness, it was this deeply wounded and broken heart over the fact that her husband did this and she lost her son. Right. And we end the story there because just like you said, it, it is a truth of the story that we have to look at in order to understand the whole thing. Sarah, right. we have to look at her point of view in order to understand Abraham and Isaac, you know, right. in order to understand this complicated sacrificial system. It was holy. And same thing with things we do today. There are things we do that are holy, but that doesn't mean that they don't hurt people. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it just, it wraps or at least it we, in we believe, questions. We believe that they're holy. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, that's And that's true. part of the point. It's part mm -hmm. of the point of God's children, like you said, telling his story. Yeah. Um, you know, that especially in the Old Testament, there was no full fulfillment mm -hmm. <laughs> in Christ. You know, there was glimpses and they were telling the story and they thought these things were holy. Mm -hmm. And so what they did, similar to what an editor does, <laughs> yeah. what Abraham did was he had to keep an open heart. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't know that he was allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes, and a lot of times, you know, um, permission is mm -hmm. required yeah. of people to start that journey. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, and so we don't want to get too much into the into the Abraham story yet. Yeah, because we'll, we'll, do that we'll talk right. about it. Yeah. But in some ways, we hope that Tim Shell can be permission, permission. for folks, mm -hmm. to, right, to, to, you know, to to be, have an open heart mm -hmm. to say this understanding of who God was, you know, the, the, the biblical scripture, this, the scriptures 
they change. Yeah. <laughs> People don't realize that, but there's, and there's multiple traditions brought into it. You know, mm -hmm. you know, God's view, quote unquote, of slavery <laughs> yeah. changes. It yeah. still doesn't end that great. <laughs> it's <laughs> right. not good to modern sensibilities, you know, but throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament, even there's it, there are shifts, stark mm -hmm. shifts, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> between how God dance sees things. with God, yes. right? It's like these people right. that are moving and dancing with him, not this rule book. But if we don't right. even have permission to look at it right. that way, we're not right. going to get very far in our own story. I think it's, yeah. and I think it's N.T. Wright that says like that we're in the fifth act. We're in this improvisate, improvisation. I'm going to say that wrong. Improvisation. <laughs> Gosh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> improvisation of, hey, we have this much info. Yeah. And here we are in this fifth act. We're still dancing yeah. with God. Yeah. But we have a lot of stuff that we come up against that we don't know what to do with. Yeah. And he probably didn't mention there's like 172 acts, you know, so we're <laughs> yeah. in the fifth one. Yeah. And, and we got a long way to go. <laughs> it's the same way. It was the same way. It's the children. They they were working with the information that they had. Yeah. And and what we what we what we believe and trust and, and love in the forefathers were the fact that they not that they were perfect. Mm -hmm. And not that they even uh, really understood God, fully. right? <laughs> you yeah. know, they they understood Him a specific way, but they understood Him the best way they could. The best way they could, working with the Spirit at, at the time that they had. You know, yeah. it's God's children telling that story, and that's all we have. Mm -hmm. But we we give up our birthright <laughs> when we say we're not allowed to look at the Bible in this way. We're not allowed yeah. to engage. You know, um, we you know. The spirit, God still speaks. He didn't stop speaking once yeah. the once the the Amen was written in Revelation. You know, yeah. Um, the spirit is still speaking, and he's speaking to people, and he wants to continue this journey, the fifth act, into mm -hmm. the sixth act. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's from so there, true. we'll move into the seventh act. You know, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But but hopefully, you know, that's hopefully this is a little bit of a encouragement or an, or, or permission or mm -hmm. even the willingness to disagree with that so that yeah. you also engage in a different way too, you know, yeah. and, and, and find him in that as well, possibly. No, I love that. I think you're right. Permission is such a good view. You know, someone, someone wrote me, so we decided we're going to do it. We got together like a Kickstarter team, right? So it's you and I, my friend, Kyle, who's a psychologist. Uh, so he came on and helped with some of those questions of like, Hey, what do we know about modern psychology? What do we know? What is it? What do we know about people who have experienced trauma? What do we know about, right. you know, all these different things? And then um, my friend Ethan did the filming and we put it on Kickstarter. And um, I think we've told this before, but it still cracks me up. Like, this is so me. The night before Kickstarter, I read like a 10 tips to make your <laughs> Kickstarter successful. And um, <laughs> it was important to me that everybody uh, got paid what they're worth. Like I was like, no, I want Jeremy to be proud of his work. So he's going to get paid X amount. And I want Kyle to be proud of his work. So he's going to pay X amount, you know, whatever. So the, we had set it at like, I think 32,000 or was that, is that, is that right? Yes. 30, uh, no, 30, I think so. something around there. And, um, the, the number one thing on the Kickstarter list was like, never put a book on Kickstarter. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Like, there was all these lists. So we're like, we're just going to do it. We'll just see. Um, and it struck a chord with people for that very reason that you just said is people were like, oh, I didn't know I was allowed. I didn't know I was allowed to do that. I didn't. Right. I wanted to be allowed, but I needed someone to tell me I was allowed. Right. And that's the funny thing with permission is sometimes when we take the permission for ourselves, we end up giving it to others. <laughs> and um, 
I had somebody say, I downloaded your sample chapter and it really irritated me. And so I emailed it to all my friends and we got together and we pulled out every translation we have and we compared it. And after we've been talking about it for a week and wrestling with it, we decided that you're a heretic and <laughs> we hate your translation. And it brought like the biggest smile to my face because I was like, and I wrote him back and I was like, I don't care if you don't like it. You did exactly what I wanted you to do, which was yeah. talk about it. You which dove was have permission. It. You dove into it to explore yeah. it, to even ask the question, is this something that I could wrestle with? Right. Um, right. And so the point of it, I think we did that roomy quote in the back of the book. Um, yeah. This is um, out. Let's see. I love it so much. Um, the quote, and it says, out beyond out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field, and I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. <laughs> so there's, there isn't one way, maybe that will get us into our next thing, there isn't one way to translate this. I keep telling you, I'm like, we need to write this again five times, right. same stories, but each story translated a different way, right? right? Because... Well, yeah, there's and there's there are 30,000... Christian denominations. Yeah. And guess what? Every one of them says, well, this is how, well, this is what the Bible says. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's each one of those that's, that represents 30,000 interpretations of mm -hmm. the Bible. And that's what, you know, <clears throat> people often forget. What we've done here is no different than what every single person does every single day, hopefully when they're reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, you're just hope, we're hoping that it like we said, gives permission or invites people deeply into that story, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll start a denomination, Tim Shell. <laughs> I will not start one. <laughs> um, yes, but you're so right because it's um, this idea of, hey, we're not here to tell you that this is the exact one way to do it. We're here to set the stage that you get to enter in in a new way right. that you haven't right. done and, before. And some people aren't going to like that. They're going to no. say, this is how, this is how, this is, you just read it what it is. It's, it's, you read the words and that's what it is. Yeah. And you know, it, it, we, to me, it's just such a funny thing because even the fact that we're reading it in English is yeah. an yes. interpretation. Yeah. There it's the fact that you, that I'm a man, you know, not to bring that into it, but the fact that I live where I live, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, that you know, I was once I said again, I said I was a literature major. You know, mm -hmm. we in literature, you understand that everything's an interpretation, yeah. And it's everything. like there are you just you what what do you read into it and how close can we get to that? Either is there a kernel of truth, yeah, <laughs> or what they what the author was intending, or somewhere in the midst of all that conversation is the reality of this whole yeah. situation, you know, mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why I think it's going to come up a lot in this podcast, which is the the biblical, um genre of wisdom literature yeah <laughs> yeah you know, so important and so yeah. important and what how that forms our lives and how you do get into interpretation topics mm -hmm. yeah because <laughs> why not it, there's no fine point especially when the bible itself is contradictory mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes verse to verse mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's not right or right. true or righteous you know yeah it just means it's inviting you into it in a different way than us with our Western minds are typically approach how we think things are supposed to be read or how they're supposed to be, you know, this, there are understanding of what is true, quote unquote. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point because um, that's another thing is people say like, it often feels like it's your 
interpretation of it. And I'm like, it, there, there is no way to translate anything, even, even if I'm translating from English to Spanish, right? Um, without interpretation weaved into it. It's, right. it's part of it. And I actually think that's the beauty of it. So, um, ancient stories, uh, take the Odyssey, for example, take, um, these stories of the Bibles take, there's so much literature where they have classically always been translated, um, and thus interpreted by men. And I don't think that that's because men are trying to keep women down. I don't think that it's malicious. I think it's the way it has been. There was, it's just, it's just a fact. It's just a fact. Exactly. (laughs) But we're in a new time now. And we are in an area where we are missing some of these stories. I read an article about a woman that is translating the Odyssey, and it's the first time a woman has done it. Wow. And her point of view, um, if a man is translating it, then there is going to be a very specific door in and a pathway out that's different than a woman's, just because inherently I'm coming into it seeing things differently than you are. Right, yeah. So um, I think for sure that that's, that's in there. Um, and there's nothing wrong with man's in a man's interpretation. No. <laughs> it's just that it's incomplete, you know. Exactly. And we're not just saying men and women. We're saying my age, young people. Yes. <laughs> you know. However, men and women there are very distinctly two genders on the right. planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so let's go ahead and and un- allow both to have a voice in what's happening in yeah. these translations or these, you know, these these interpretations of, mm-hmm. you know, the, these these stories that have that have formed culture, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I actually love that. I think it's um it's so funny that being a woman in ministry was something that was con- against me for a long time. Right. right. Um and it wasn't until I realized like, oh, there's a there's a point of view there that is divine, right? We see these images yeah. of the divine feminine um, and we just haven't given voice to them. And yeah. um, this is a way that we could do that. And a question that we get, or at least I get all the time is like, how is this different from the message? Um, and when we're talking about sort of interpretation and translation, so there's like a scale, right? There's dynamic equivalence and formal equivalence. And like a formal equivalence would be a word for word, It'd be very like New King James the um, point of that translation is to stick to the actual word as much as possible. And then you have the dynamic equivalence, which is where the message would be. And um, it's more phrase by phrase or meaning for meaning. And the point <laughs> of that translation is a readability. So Tim Shell's obviously falls on the, the scale of the dynamic equivalence, meaning we, we use the um, we use the historical, we use the cultural, we use all of the original languages, uh, but we want it to be readable and we want the meaning to be what is translated and interpreted across. That's the, that's the whole juice of it. That's the point of it because it sort of gives room. I think it was, um, I think it was Rob, Rob Bell that said, there's everything that's written on the page. Mm-hmm. And then there's all the space between right. the lines that are written on right. the page. So this idea of like where, where do we get to where do we get to sort of fill that in? So whereas the message takes things and puts things in a modern way, um, I feel like what we've done here with Tim Shaw when we're talking about gender and the spirit that we do things with here, and that was always our sort of litmus test. I'd be like, this doesn't seem like Tim Shaw. Like it was like <laughs> it became a verb. <laughs> it became like this <laughs> adjective, this 
like living thing of like, right. this doesn't fit the right. energy of it. Um, but like you said, is that our point isn't just that it's something you could sit down and read. We hope that it is, but we also hope that it's an invitation to sort of widen our perspective and widen our own heart approach to it in a way that allows for different voices, allows for a different wrestling than we've been able to do before. Right. Uh, and, and I know we're, we're getting close here on our, on our time, but in, 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 um, I, I like to, I think that Boz Luhrmann, when he did the, um, Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't an idiomatic mm-hmm. meaning translation in some ways. It was actually very exact, specifically the, um, the, it was specifically the words, mm-hmm. but put in the visual context that made sense to a different uh, time frame, mm, you know, yeah. even in a strange way, poetically and stuff like that. What I think is interesting about like what you said about the, about the Bible and the spaces in between is even, even the New Testament, even the Old Testament was idiomatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that people understood. There was a very famous Mary, you know, mm-hmm. Um, at the time of Mary, that's why there were yeah. so many Marys, and her story was tragic, mm-hmm. you know. But and we don't know that, <laughs> right? You know, but the people of that time knew that. And mm-hmm. to talk about a Mary, you know, it pointed specifically to this Mary, you know, right. of her tragic story of what happened there. And and so there's, it's so funny because um, I just think that we're we're doing an idiomatic translation. We're bringing things into this time. Um, of something that was, it's always been idiomatic. So we're hopefully, you know, there's things that we're just never going to know or, but there are things that we can delve into and try to understand to help us bring meaning to it, to ourselves now as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. So I don't know. I hope that you guys, um, we hope that you get full permission that you (laughs) realize your voice, your story, your background, your, um, whatever it is you carry into the text. It's, it's welcome and it's big enough to hold it. I just think we've had so many years where we've approached the Bible and it's been a a thing that closes our story, that closes our perspective, that closes our pain and our hurt. And uh, our hope for Tim Shaw is that it opens that back up for you and that you find your story or your neighbor's story or your brother's or your sister's in a way that brings new life um, and a new point of connection. This idea that In some ways, we are so far removed from this ancient book, and in some ways, we are so closely connected. 